acrobatic selection. It's music to your ears when the guard spit me a static connect to bring you some hard shit. Right. It's music to your ears when the guard spit Me and Static connect to bring you this hard shit Now I'm landing in pocket over guitar riffs And various other sounds that knock and make your car drift No trophies for the real, just hardship Large flips, rental car trips Pretty little copperheads laying in the cartridge Left them flatter than a starfish No Vaseline, straight raw shit Coke boils in pot, the spoon black, let the oils get hot It's boom bap shit, you must have forgot Stuff and runs into a cone, lit my jam by the cops It won no keys, I picked the locks There's not one MC, you need the locks Trader verse does nothing for me that was UFO Thieves' new single, Fresh Air, off the Fresh Air EP, produced entirely by Static Selecta. Welcome to episode 59 of We Going In Presents. UFO Thieves is the guest today, and we talk about his Fresh Air EP, how the rhymes came together, how he linked up with Fat Joe, and he met Mary J. We also talk about the challenges and joys of being a father, and much more. Thanks to Vanderslice for setting this up, and can't wait to hear the Vanderslice UFO Thief collaboration. Also be sure to hit up the links on wegoingin.com. UFO Thief, really appreciate you joining us. Fresh air is, is fresh out. And how's it feel right now having the project out, produced entirely by Static Selecta, and you know, really still really new out there. So how are people reacting to it? Um, it's been it's been received well so far. To uh, it's a blessing, man. You know, I I built a rapport with Static um for like the last year or two, and um we managed to record the project for a little while. I was sitting on it. Um, we were we were just like working out the twinks and what records were like best. But um, yeah, man. I know I know uh, Static. I know the quality and the of music that Static makes and his status in the game. So, you know, it's a blessing. I'm very excited and everybody's been loving it so far. You know, it's been a blessing for sure, man. That's awesome. Did it come out the way you wanted it to? Yeah. Yeah, man. I had total control over the project. Um, you know, the artwork is my idea. Everything really um, Static. Let me, you know, let me do my thing. Even in the even in the videos we drop it, you know, it, it comes from my team and um, me working with my guys. So Static was open to just let me do my thing, and uh, even the, down to the beats, you know, those beats were if Static didn't make it in front of me, then he made it when I left. You know what I'm saying? The studio and they were pretty much crafted within the time of the rhymes being born. So everything was synchronized and I didn't really have much work to do other than like picking what songs are going to make it and what songs aren't and trying to get some features you know that's awesome now how do you balance getting that freedom from static versus also wanting his you know feedback as well and and him to help craft the album in ways you know with with his feedback since he does have that experience in putting so many different projects together so I'm curious how you want that balance to be um, well, we recorded the entire project at Static's lab. So, um, you know, he was fully involved in everything and Static is a special breed, man. He don't, um, uh, he told me how to record like high quality content in a short amount of time. You know, he don't, he doesn't allow you to, you don't really get the opportunity to write in his studio because he makes so many beats in a night that 
uh, if you want one, you have to like jump on it right there and then. So um, he was fully involved in the creation and what he sequenced the project. You know, um, it is it, a UFO and static project, man. He was, you know, I just went in there and kicked my rhymes and static pretty much like he was okay with whatever, you know, he didn't stop me from saying what I was feeling or nothing like that in the sense of when I, you know, told him I had an idea, he pretty much went with it, you know? And, um, if I, if I did do anything that, uh, was like not fitting to the project, we definitely had a few of those, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, there's maybe been a hook or something that wasn't tight enough and we had to go back an, another day or so or something like that and, and revisit it. But um, for the most part, everything is with Static is bring your A game, you know, right on the spot. He doesn't allow time to, uh, not too much space for floor, you know what I'm saying? No doubt. Did you learn any new techniques working with Static on a project like, with you know, working with him as much as you did? Yeah, I did. Um, I really, uh, well, I recorded Fresh Air around the same time as my last project, Emigres. It was both uh, being crafted at the same time. And Static had taught me the, what I learned with Static. Now, what I, I wouldn't say what I learned, what he showed me I was capable of, rather, was creating high-quality rhymes, um, you know, without having to be so deep in thought. You know, usually my process was I will I I write rhymes. I'm a writer, you know what I'm saying? So most of the time I like to sit with the beat and um I don't take too long but you know, I, I scribe most of the time, even if it's just notes and lines. But um with static there was none of that. You know, for the most part the entire project is you know, and I'm not <clears throat> trying to be cliche and glorify like uh I didn't write the rhymes, you know, but most of the static project was me off the top coming with, you know, ideas of what I think I wanted to say and then going in the booth and saying it. Because most of the time I would uh, tell static I had something ready, you know what I'm saying? And I really didn't. So I would have to go in there and, you know, I'm pretty good at freestyling, but um, when I have enough time to put some thoughts together I could do a few things and he showed me that he showed me I'm what I'm capable of and I I never had to do that before him you know I always had the pleasure of crafting so that's what I learned pretty much leaving static is that I'm able to play at a high level and I don't have to be you know I don't have to think it through so much the body is like muscle memory the body's going to do what it has to do no doubt. So was a song like Fresh Air, was that one that was kind of freestyled on the spot or is that one that you had written before? Nah, that's how we got, that was freestyle, man. That's pretty, um, I wouldn't say freestyle. I don't want to, you know, but yeah, that's pretty much my feelings at the moment. I had, that's how we got the title of the project. There's a, a, a bar in there where I say, uh, Fresh Air is what I sell, Playboy. You could tell by the streams and, um, uh, that's pretty much where the title of the project came out. When I came out the booth, you know, I was listening back to the, we, I was so enamored, like listening back, like, damn, that was pretty, again, cause I was learning myself of what I was capable of, you know what I'm saying? So I would step out the booth and hear some of the stuff I was saying and how I was going off top with no paper. And I would visit back. And that's how I was, I heard that line. And I was like, yo man, fresh air is a dope title. 
and Static just gave me that look like, yeah, it is, it works. So we ran with it. So yeah, Fresh is one of those joints that came off the top. Well, what I love too is the metaphor that you use talking about fabric and guess it is what it seems like just the intricate wordplay through that whole yes, sir. extended metaphor like that really grabbed my attention and I thought that was really well done. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, man. It takes um, a special listener to catch. There's a lot of that throughout the whole project. Um, you know, I speak on the, the that and the intro on um, Golden Soul. I speak about, you know, the whole uh, fashion world being racist. Uh, um, you know, the, at the time was like the whole Dabba Dan Gucci thing going on. and So you catch little uh, subtleties like that in the rhyme speaking on those things. Uh, keeping the thread going. So I appreciate you catching that. You know, that's what I really enjoyed about Fresh Air and your music in general is that, you know, on the first listen, you can tell that, you know, it's high quality, it's enjoyable, it's 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 dope, but like you go back multiple times and you catch new things. Is that intentional? Do you layer your rhymes so that it's like near impossible to catch everything just that first listen? Not intentionally. Um, I pretty much... You know, I I probably talk like that for the people who know me on the daily as well. I'm a big reader. Um, I study a lot. You know, I travel. You know, um, I'm also from the projects, so I'm well-versed in street knowledge, and I've obtained a life where I could also, you know, get world knowledge and learn new things. So a lot of times, um, you know, I, I'm, I've, I'm a big fan of, of some of the best, you know, MCs. So I came up wanting to be an MC. So most of the stuff I write, when I try to give game, but I try to not to be so direct with it more in a way where it's like you can mix the food with the medicine and it gives people some, it differentiates me maybe from the next person that you could get something from somebody who's really lived and, um, you know, lived and done a lot of stuff in the past, but not glorifying it. You know, I'm not just telling you uh, from A to B. It's more like, you know, a little gem here and there to teach you. And um, yeah, so it's not it's not a uh, it's not done purposely, but subconsciously. You know, the good Lord provides the message the way it should be given out. And one thing that always stuck with me from when I talked to Master Ace is how he had to kind of mature a little bit to find that balance between being too preachy versus giving knowledge that, like you said, you know, mixing the vegetables um, or the food with the medicine. And then thinking about on, on the other side of that too, in terms of like glorifying things that, um, while also teaching lessons, how do you know when you've struck that balance for the listener that it's enjoyable, but at the same time giving them some something of substance? Uh, I think we all come to a place in life as, um, you know, first you have to learn how to differentiate uh, differentiate your person from the artist as as the artist. You know, so um, as I as I've matured as a man outside of being an artist, because um, you know I'm just not doing the things I was doing at you know at ten years ago, rapping about the same thing. It will be you know mundane. So I've been able to understand that as I grow, so should the music. You know what I'm saying and. Uh, you always should allow the young boys and uh, the young cats that are all speaking for the youth to speak for the youth 
and you and if you're an adult, you speak to them as an adult. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to do what the kids are doing because you look foolish as an adult doing that. You know, so um, I don't know. In the music, you know, I come from a um a, a hard neighborhood. It's very very uh active in all ways. So I know the kids. I know the young guys in my neighborhood are like many of the young guys across the world, you know, um, they're looking for guidance. You know what I'm saying? Like, it may seem like they're too cool, but if they find someone they deem interested in and he's guiding them, they'll follow, you know? So I always deem, I always find myself in a position where like, you know, when the young guys, I know they gravitate towards me because they've witnessed me grow from the streets to this. So, when I speak, I don't want them to ever think like I'm telling them that it's all right to do this stuff that, um, you know, I just don't want no blood in my hands as an MC. I try to just spread knowledge, man. And yeah, I talk about the same dark stuff everybody else talks about. And I might say a few things because I'm a rapper, but you know, my overall message is not to not hear the, uh, put that in the music and get anybody hurt or make them believe that, you know, I'm the biggest drug dealer in the world or anything like that. You know, I'm a father, a father of two girls, you know, and I'm a man first. So that's pretty much how I want the music to resonate with, with, with everyone across the board. And I would even argue too, that like you couldn't make a song like on my way without having that maturation. And I think, I think a song like On My Way would even be hard to write if you weren't a father or, you know, just because, like, the way you capture it, it, you know, comes across as so real. Right. I appreciate that, man. That's that's uh, Static's favorite joint on the project. He loves that joint. And, um, yeah, we was just in the studio one night on that one, and um, he was making, he was crafting the, the beat, and, um, you know, I, it just came natural. I just was like, yo, we should do something for, you know, Static is always um, checking in on his family. You know, if we're in the lab and, uh, you know, the time is not too late in the evening, he's always checking in with his family, speaking with with the uh, his, his lady and his child and my, I speak to mine and, you know, everywhere, everyone around me, even, uh, you know, even when I'm with Joe, he's always checking in. It's like everyone that has a family is always checking in. So I felt like it was only right. He made some music for the family. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes they don't get to travel with us or they don't feel involved with the things we got going on. So I wanted for mine to understand that, you know, at the end of the day, even if I'm out in the world, they be days where I'm just thinking about my family. No doubt. I, I mean, I think that's so important to have songs like that, too, and to communicate that message. You know, what kind of feedback have you gotten from On My Way so far? Um, Great. You know, everybody loves, um, everybody has their days. So, you know, most for the most part, the ladies in my DM, I, I got a, a fan base with the, with, um, the opposite sex. You know, they, they vibe with me. So I'm always appreciative of the ladies telling me that, you know, sending me little that they appreciate me talking about my wife and, you know, all those things like that. Just let's, you know, because sometimes in this game, we might hide our families because you don't want to lose. You know, even when I first started uh, 
not first starting the game, but you know, at some point, I didn't want anyone to know I was a I had a woman at home because you think it's gonna affect your bottom line, you know. So once you get over that hump and you appreciate what you got around you, you know, everyone else will at the end of the day. So I appreciate all the feedback from the ladies who, you know, who dig that kind of stuff um, from a man and. You know, the music is always going to be dope to me. I, I enjoy making it. And, you know, once I get to performing it, you know, it'll, 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 it'll get a life of its own. And I feel like, you know, thinking back 10, 15 years ago, a song like On My Way wouldn't even be made. Um, just with the, the types of songs that were being made, like you said, like people were almost hiding a lot of their, their personal sides um, of their lives. Yep. Even today, man, a lot of, you know, um, I don't really classify myself as an underground artist, you know, but, uh, you know, in the underground world, you know, you don't really hear these guys speaking on women. Mostly it's just like, you know, uh, drugs, hardship, you know, uh, that violence, that kind of thing. So, you know, I just always want to do stuff, I've been to shows with, you know, 10 other artists on the bill and there's no women there. You know, there's rarely any women. So it's like, if you come to a Thieves show by, you know, and just a Thieves show, there's women there. You know, I usually have a um, opener, R&B act opening. So, you know, I, I attract women uh, to my to the venue and I have a fan base of women that I I still want to tap into more. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even begin to start getting that way. So I just try to, you know, I try to keep aware of who's listening at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? And a song like on my way is, you know, Jose is a talented R and B is, you know, R and B is feeling the same trauma. You know, there's not so many people who sing anymore, you know, it's all like harmonies and, no one's rapping about uh, loving a girl. You know, everyone is either loving someone else's girl or, you know, so we try to just keep a true man and keep the masculinity masculinity alive in music, you know, and keep the man alive is okay. You don't have to be a toxic male to be a male. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I mean, I, I, like, I, I think that is just such a, important message to get when so much of the music still has that toxic masculinity, even when you look at how Dwayne Wade has been treated recently and the comments being made about Dwayne Wade and how he's supporting his daughter and, and everything going on there. That's like, there's, there's some who recognize like what a great father he's being and how supportive he's being. And there's others who are saying that he's in the wrong for supporting his daughter. Yeah. I think just sometimes we don't, we, I don't think everything is, to be opinionated on, you know, you understand? Like, oh, that's just the way I was raised in the community. I was raised in you kept everything in the house. You know, if anything happened in the house, it stood in the house. It wasn't for anybody else to dictate. So, you know, everyone's free to judge and um, that's great, but you know, that it, it belongs in the house. You understand me? It's like, uh, who am I to discuss what's going on in your house, regardless whether I'm right or I'm wrong. Once you go in your house, you truly dictate the rules, you know, as a man, as you should in your household. So, 
you know, all you got to do really, man, is if you believe in the powers, you pray for the people. Um, if you disagree with them, you know, whether you agree or you disagree, you always wish them well and you keep it pushing. But in this day of time, it's so easy to have an opinion and, you know, voice yourself on uh, social media for the sake of the conversation. And even if you get four or five likes, you feel a part of the grand conversation, you know? So it's like, that's how it goes, man. It's hard to, it's hard to detach yourself from that, that, uh, what they call it, a uh, FOMO fear of missing out. You know, it's hard to detach yourself from that. So, but me, man, I study a lot and, you know, I pray a lot, man. I got my own devils I deal with and I try to make, uh, as heavy as my devils are, I try not to make everyone else's mind either. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if that makes any sense, like whatever everyone else is dealing with, I don't want it on my plate. My mind's as full as it, as it gets, as it is, you know? So, and I'm blessed to be able to handle what's on my plate. And God is still testing me, giving me things I'm not even sure I can handle. You know what I'm saying? So for me to put myself in a position to, for me, you know, as a, Speaking for UFO Thieve, I tr I just try to keep my my eyes on uh, focused on my own path, and yeah, I wish everyone well, man. Shout out to Dwayne Wade. I think he is being a great father. He's standing behind his family, and um, whatever anyone thinks, you know, that's up to him, man. At the end of the day, he's gonna do what he wants with his household, you know. No doubt, and you know something else too. Like I think that's a great response, and I I definitely appreciate that. And thinking about just like before I was a father, it's like you hear, you know, parenting is the toughest job you're ever going to do. It's it's a job that never ends. You know, you're always going to be second guessing yourself. And, you know, you hear so much about what a difficult job it is. And then when you become a, a parent, you start to realize that what everyone was saying was so right. And it's like just such a challenging job, like nonstop. I mean, also the greatest job ever. But like, you know, as you know, it's 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 really hard. Yeah, it's such a thankless job, you know, it's like um, your kids show you all your flaws. They hold up the biggest mirror in front of you, you know what I'm saying? So all the things you think that, you know, you judge people on, you have your own bag of stuff that, you know, you, sh you, know, you deal with with your kids. So, and it's hard because, you know, who's right and who's wrong, you know what I'm saying? There's no manual, there's no... Uh, book you can be the best dad and you you know your daughter could still be in love with one of the you know worst guys in the world and that's not your you know that's not your fault but it's such a thankless job you know you don't get thanked until the day you cross over you know what i'm saying the day of atonement and that's when everyone wants to you know thank you for the things you've left them but as you grow on with your kids, man, you got to grow with them and just try to be as supportive as you can. You know, and me, man, like you said, I, you know, what the hell do we know? You know what I'm saying? How do I know? People tell me, you know, all the time, yo, you're doing a great job. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you guys know? How do thank you? You know, for much love, but I'm flawed too. You know what I'm saying? I smoke weed. I do a lot of things that, influence how I am around my daughter and the decisions I make, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not perfect, but I definitely try to let my daughter know that above all things that her dad is a man. You know, I teach her that. I teach her um, knowledge herself so she won't never be led astray. You know, both of them. I have two girls. So 
My responsibility is just to install what a man looks like. So when they influenced by an outside man, the least they can think of is, you know, damn, is he like my dad? You know, would, would my dad approve of this, you know? And that's all I can pray for. And everything else is, like you said, such a hard job, but it's a great job. It's the best job in the world. Puts a smile on your face. It keeps you motivated. It makes you sad. It makes you happy. But um, I wouldn't change it, you know, for the world. Man, I love kids. They're the best. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like it's de- definitely like those sacrifices you make are like they definitely are worth it. And and I don't regret any of any of those like you know sacrifices for the kids. Um, but like you said, it's just it's one of those jobs where you know no matter what's going on like i get what you're saying like because i've gotten like things too like oh your kids are so great like you know keep doing what you're doing it's like i hope i'm doing the right thing but you know some days it definitely doesn't feel like it. you know you definitely have those good days and those bad days those days when you're like just tired and have no patience and then those other days you know where you like have all the energy in the world or they're they get sick and you're like how did they get sick did i get them sick like you know what i mean yep or when you have to scold them, you know, and then you see them and you like you feel so bad or, you know, stuff as is, you know, taking them to school, you know, leaving them in that building by themselves with strangers and who's influencing your kid. It's all, you know, it all comes down. And now being around people who don't have kids is, you know, two totally different worlds. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking at my friends who don't have kids and it's like they really, their life consist of is like no map you know what i'm saying like they don't really function on family time so it's like once you do have kids everything is family time and um everything is secondary after that but um yeah man i have i have a wife and two kids and it's a thankless job but i love it man i wouldn't change it for the world they hold me down and they they love me as much as they stress me out you know it's a no, balance. No. That's what family's for, right? Or, <laughs> And this is your family. That's another, you know, that's the ill thing is, you know, you have your blood family that the Lord provided you when you came out of your, the womb, but this is the family you created. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing, like, you're the foundation of this family right here. They all depend on you. And if you're not around, it's like, things get kind of wacky you know so it's a beautiful thing man for sure and i mean do you find like that changes how you move whether you're in new york city or on the road in terms of like making sure you're you know you're calling at certain times or that you know you're going to sleep by a certain time so you can be up you know to get the kids to school i mean do you find that being a family man and being a father has changed how you might interact with the industry it's definitely giving me a discipline you know um um, definitely giving me a discipline and, and keeps me focused in and out of the industry, you know, in the, in the, in the industry, I'm aware of things that are going on and, you know, keeping myself on point because I truly want to just get home to my family. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't really dibble dabble on a lot of the things, you know, I'm at events and, you know, I'm out with Fat Joe and we're going all around and doing these things and meeting different people. Yeah. It's amazing. But, um, I don't take things too serious, you know, because I get back home and I'm just dad, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. And I, I always check in just because, you know, um, 
this is the world and you always should check in with your loved ones every hour on the hour. That's a, you know, give a sign of, give a sign of life. You know, hold on one second. I'm sorry about that. Right. Always should check in, like I was saying, and give a sign of life, um, whether it be with your mom, you know, any loved one, you should always let them know you're doing fine. That's the least you can do. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I'm always getting to bed early because just I like to wake up early. I don't like to wake up late. I try to be up with the sun and uh, get my day started early. I know that's what all rich people have in common, you know, all, all successful people, not rich in uh, wealth, but, you know, rich in the fact that they have good health and, you know, people that take uh, take full access of the day, they usually wake up early, farmers and stuff. So that's pretty much the schedule I run on, but, you know, I keep my family, I'm a family man, so I abide by certain laws and rules that we built in the house, and I, I go by them whether I'm in Dubai or if I'm in New York, it doesn't even matter, you know, we checking in and I'm FaceTiming the kids, I'm making sure they ate, making sure my wife ain't lose her mind, and that's it. That's amazing. Bring you home the bacon. For sure. And, you know, I saw you in front of the Burj Khalifa. You know, what's it like, you know, being on the road and seeing, you know, all these different, like, incredible landmarks and just different cultures and countries as you travel the world right now? Um, That's pretty much all you can ask for, you know. Um, most people get into music for, like, cars and diamonds and, you know, to get their families right for whatever beliefs they have. But um, it's really to travel, man. This is a blessing because... That's the one thing no one can take from you, you know what I'm saying, is the moments and the memories you create in this world when um, seeing things. So, yeah, man, I've, when I had my first daughter, I vowed to put that in still her her life, too, at least to let her know that traveling is a thing that she must do, you know what I'm saying? Not, not There's no other way around it. So um, for me, coming from, you know, public housing and, being able to go see the Burj Khalifa and visit a lot of different states throughout the United States and, you know, countries with my family that don't make Instagram and stuff we do. It's like, oh, man, it's a sigh, like a big, you know, a relief is a blessing. It's truly, truly a blessing. And I'm grateful for it every trip, you know. That's amazing. What's been the biggest like eye opener in terms of traveling the world so far? Um, that's a great question, man. Um, every trip is a different lesson, you know, cause you meet different people and, um, me, I'm a people person, you know, I'm, I'm talkative. So I'm always trying to learn something about where I am. And, um, you know, the middle East, which I just recently came back from was amazing. Canada is awesome. Um, just getting to learn different people's beliefs and giving them different things about how we do it and what they do and bringing it back home and applying it. Uh, for example, in the Middle East, they believe a house, you know, if you give birth to girls, you bring gir baby girls in the house, it brings peace to the house, you know. So I learned that from speaking to one of the gentlemen out there, showing them a picture of my daughters. And he's like, oh, he was having a daughter. So he's like, yeah, we believe, you know, baby girls bring peace to the home and just giving me different beliefs and 
all that kind of stuff. So everywhere has been a different lesson and there's too many to look back on, but everywhere you go, you should experience the land, you know, just get it, get a moment to soak up the sun and ask the locals some questions, man, and come back home with at least a little bit of knowledge of where you just came from, you know? That's awesome. And what's it been like, you know, on that same, you know, kind of theme, like traveling with Fat Joe and rocking stages with him? Oh, man. Yo, man, I'm still like, it still hasn't fully hit me that I that I am doing it, you know, um, because I'm still Fieve at the same time and trying to do our thing and, you know, um, collabing with him and letting him hear music and um, letting him let him letting me hear music and us doing a lot of things. So it's, it's like a, it's like a great job, you know, it's an awesome job that you could, it's like a dream job. And, um, then being on the stage with him is pretty much like, like being on a, for me, it's like a game show, like a karaoke. Like I'm really up there with Joe singing his music, you know? So I'm trying to be the best person I could be for him and make sure that he has the best show possible so that I could get paid and we can get home happy, you know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, I couldn't ask for nothing more. You know, everything that I'm doing, man, whether it be working with Joe, uh, putting out the project with Static, my next project, you know, produced by Vanderslice, everything is like a blessing, man, and I'm, I'm, I couldn't ask for it to be coming at a better time and working out the way it is. And, um, you know, your first question was how it's the it's, there's a lot the music get receptive well and people and to catch a message. I'm always gonna be all right. You know what I'm saying? I ain't tripping. So yeah, man, I'm just rocking stages with Fat Joe is a it's a hip hop dream for me, man. It's so many levels. You know, I'm a Latino. Um, I'm from the projects like him. You know, I'm independent like him. Um. I'm trying to figure out how to make uh, some records that can stand the test of time the way he does. You understand? So every trajectory mark that he hit, I wouldn't mind planting my feet in the sand right after him, you know? That's amazing. So, like, what do you learn watching him prepare for shows or work on music on the road or um, actually rock stages? Like, what what are you able to pick up about his like preparation and his professionalism and how he approaches his craft. Uh, Joe was from the era where emceeing was still prevalent, you know, super important. So um, rocking the crowd is like, uh, it's like a totally different ball game. You, like, I hope I don't, I'm not losing it um, in any way, but like, you know, it's one thing to go into the studio and perform. That's a that's a that's a that's a huge feat. Then to write music is like a huge, you know, uh, feat. But then to like get on the stage and be able to perform and get the crowd on your side and you know drop songs that are are well recognized throughout the world. You know, everywhere is like that's a whole nother level too. So I'm learning that. Um, you got to have them records. You have to have those records where, you know, if they're hits, you're lucky, you know what I'm saying? But you got to be recognized for a record. You can't just be an artist 
and not be recognized for music. You have to be able to perform something that people you always is always going to win them over. So um, I'm learning that a lot of stage presence from Joe, a lot of um, how to adapt. You know, he he adapts very well, and also um, sometimes a, a Fat Joe show can be hectic. He might be bringing out DJ Khaled and ten artists, so. It's um, always a production, you know, it's always some days it goes smooth, some days it might be hectic, but it gives me the, 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 the experience and the talent to learn how to move if things ever do get hectic, you understand? So, because he deals with it so effortlessly, he's been here for so long, you know what I'm saying? That even if things are going wrong, you wouldn't, the average person in the crowd wouldn't know it, you know? For sure. I mean, you also got to meet Mary J. Blige, too, on a whole totally different other note. Yeah, bro, now I know her, you know what I'm saying? I've met her, that was, uh, met her, and now, you know, I've hung with her a few times on different occasions to the fact that I'm recognizing she addresses me in the room, and that's a blessing, man, because, you know, that's the queen, MJB, so, you know, I owe a lot of that to Joe, man, a lot of Joe's, uh, a lot of Joe's longevity, his icon, he's an icon and uh, his reputation. Um, he doesn't have too many guys around him, you know, so me being the youngest around him and being, you know, right next to him at all times, it's allowed certain people, uh, certain legends and people, you know, high class people to uh, accept me in ways I probably wouldn't have earned. You know, at any other time, it would probably would taken longer, or you know, taking a lot more clout. But um, being with Joe and being able to walk in the room, and then um, being you know UFO feed, I have to attribute myself as well because the reputation uh, carries itself. You know, Joe speaks highly of me, and then people, you know, do their due diligence to check out the music, or you know, ask about me in the streets or whatever their whatever their choices and you know, both reputations are outstanding, uphold themselves. You know, I'm a lyricist, so I never let down if you check the music out. There's gonna, you're going to find something you're interested in. And, you know, so it always works out to the benefit of, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not here to take anything from anyone. So it's always love. And, yeah, MJB is a beautiful uh, spirit. You know, she's a legend, man, and, She's as real as they come to. She reminds me of like one of my aunts. I have an aunt. She's the youngest of my mom's sisters. And she's just like MJB. She's just like Mary J. So, you know, when I met her, I was like, you know, oh man, she reminded me so much of my aunt. I had to call her. My aunt is a huge fan of her. So, you know, she was jealous, but I had to let her know that they have the same mannerism, same character, same style and everything. That was dope, man, for real. It was a great experience. Seeing her perform is awesome, too, man. Just not to cut you off, but seeing her perform is a great experience. I would recommend it. If you ever get the chance to go, you know, uh, take, make that investment, man. You'll have a great, great night, especially with your significant. And, um, you know, I didn't get to take mine, but um, I was a guest with Joe. And if I ever get the chance to take mine, man, I'm taking her to see it because it was a great. Mary J definitely gives it her all on that stage that's amazing and you know you also talked about just your your dedication to just like making um 
just that that high lyrical music in in, in fresh air you even said um boom bap shit you must have forgot you know how important is it that no matter what you do you show that level of penmanship and, and lyric lyricism in your music uh, at this point i'm too far with it to turn back you know it's like um if i did anything else uh with, it took a long time for me to get respected. You know, I, I'm from an era where pre-internet, where I was, I have a catalog of music that never got to, that's not online. So a lot of my music that we were putting out before the internet wave came wasn't wasn't such wasn't such a quality it is now. So I've I remember just wanting to be respected excuse me i apologize for that i remember just wanting to be respected you know as an mc and as a rapper so especially being from new york there's one everywhere so at that time you know when i made the decision that i was going to be and uh, you know i was going to be a top tier mc like no matter where i go you wasn't going to say i'm nice for a puerto rican kid or you know there was not going to be any excuse as to why i'm good it's just going to be like damn this kid is one of the nastiest and as i started getting better there was no stopping you know it was just more content i kept reading more better books and saying better things and saying it in ways that i was impressing myself you know so as i got recognized the first the first person in the industry to let me you know because you get recognized in the streets that's one thing but you want to be recognized by your peers you know so the first um my first experience in the industry being recognized and being told that i was uh good you know gave me the confidence was with um puff you know puff gave me a call and um he got in touch with me through um, you know, a, a young gentleman he has around him that's hit, you know, to what's going on and he gave me a call and he let me know I was gonna be one of the greats. He didn't he didn't hold his tongue. We had a maybe like a seven to eight minute conversation, you know, but he kept it. You know, whether he was just being you know, light or not, that's up to the good Lord to know. But in his heart, I felt like at that time I was depressed, I was gonna give up on myself and um he called. And out of everybody in my in the world, you know, that call was like God Himself just giving me the sign to keep going. And you know, Puff Puff told me he was like, "Yo, Playboy, you're gonna be one of the once the world get a hold of you, man. They're not even gonna know what to do with you. You know, you got some you got some shit on you, man." So once he said that, and once I hung up the phone, my mind was set. Like, yo, it's time. You know, it's time to make your pen go and. You know, it wasn't about money or none of that. It's just about being one of the people that when anybody of that caliber, a Puff or Joe or, you know, Raekwon, Styles, that when they hear me, it's just undeniable. They can't question me, you know? So that's how I got where I am. No doubt. And and how often do you, like, you know, any of those times when you feel like, you know, things aren't going the way you want it to, or you might feel down, you know, a certain time. Do you, do you pull back on those experiences and that kind of feedback to kind of like, just remind yourself, like you got this. I don't get like that too much anymore. Um, I'm at a space in my life where, um, I no longer try to control anything. I ride wherever, you know, the wind is supposed, wherever the good Lord puts me, that's where I'm supposed to be. So I always have a plan and I execute. Of course, you know, that's obvious. I make goals and I set them, 
but I don't, I'm no longer in a space where I feel like if things don't go my way, then they didn't go my way. That's not the plan. If something doesn't work out, there's always another, like I've grown to accept that. And, um, you have to be able to recognize that you have to be able to pull back and see that the omens are always there. Sometimes you might not be able to interview the artists your heart is set on, but going to get that artist, you'll stumble across a totally dope person that you were supposed to meet. And it might be a better look for you at that moment. You know what I'm saying? It might build a relationship that you need to get through life. So I'm at a point now where like, man, I'm just so blessed that even if some does go left, it worked out anyway, because um, we were pretty much me and myself and my team and, you know, people that work around me are pretty much always prepared and just me alone. I'm always prepared, you know, for the, for anything when, especially when we're doing, that's not just in general, that's just like, when we're completing a task and we're putting our minds to something, I'm prepared for what's going to come with it. So, yeah, at this point, man, I just live and let God, you know, and I'm always out here. I'm active. I'm knocking out goals so much that, um, you know, I'm on, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, I'm on my, on my alchemy, my mastery stuff, man, I just, if I say it, it's going to happen and I'm going to make it happen some way, somehow, you know? That's awesome. And you were also at that Big Pun tribute show. What was that like? Oh, man, it was amazing, man. I was blessed to help Joe put the show together. You know, we were in, um, I think we were in Montreal and, you know, we sat down in his room and he was like, yo, we got the big punch tribute coming up and we managed to put together a dope set, you know, bring nature out. I got in touch with nature. Um, we got in touch with the locks, you know, we just put, you know, it's like a dream come true for me to help Joe and tell Joe what I think is dope for him to perform on stage for a tribute for pun. You know, that's amazing for me. I'm a pun head and Joe head I you know I didn't know Joe in my life you know I just recently this just recently happened for me within the last five years you know so it's like a blessing these things that I've grown up on I'm actually doing you know so um that night was amazing man it was work first and foremost you know it was a hectic night all those uh legends in the one building and security is you know uh in the disarray it's a pretty hectic night but uh when you look back at it the next morning we flew out to miami we had a flight the next morning and um you know we were all watching the video and seeing joe happy with how things turned out and um seeing him reliving those moments and you know it's a it's a blessing man for real for real it's dope it's amazing as any hip-hop has dream for real and I love seeing nature walk down that like aisle. Like he he crushed his verse too. He crushed it, man. He crushed it, and um, you know, um, so many things in the industry behind the scenes been happening because of me, and so many connects that I'm just so like, I'm so happy, man. You know, to be making these things happen and see it work, and then come back home and do my thing and still be able to put out stuff like Fresh Air with Static and all this other stuff I have coming up, and um work at a high level you know so it's dope man it's amazing nature bodied it uh the locks killed it you know um shoot man the, 
it was a it was a dope night. It was hectic though on that stage. So many people, so much talent. Exhibit was standing there, stretching. Bobito was next to me. Um, it's like you know everybody I grew up on. I looked around and they were around, you know. And there was just one for the record books. That's incredible. And you know, you talk about Fat Joe and knowing him for a few years at this point. How did you guys even come in contact, and how did you guys make the deal happen to where, you know, you'd be signed to Fat Joe and, and putting out music through him? Um. Well, I so how I met Joe first and foremost was um, through Cool and Drink. Um, I had put a record out called Mister Nice Guy, and um, through you know through the blessings of it, through the work magic of the internet. It came across Dre's, you know, palette, and he passed it on to Joe, and um, that's how I got there. Dre called me one day. He got he got in touch with someone, and they got in touch with me. You know, uh, not too uh, long after Puff, you know. So after Puff called, um, my high, my hopes were high. I went through a slight depression because nothing happened. So that's when the you know, at that time was the time where I crossed over. It was like, yo, I'm going to just let things be as they are and not put so much pressure on myself. And um, then come the situation with Joe, and I played that super cool. And, you know, um, I got with Joe, man. And at this point, um, my situation with Joe isn't an artist under him. It's more like a consigliere. He's more like um, a big brother for me in the industry. Joe is at a point in the game where he's he says he's on his way out. You know, um, do I believe that? No. But um, for him, he, this is his last hurrah. You know what I'm saying? So um, he doesn't, he, he has Angelica Villa. She's tied to Rock Nation. As for me, I'm back fully independent. You know, um, we took all, all, all hands on deck and Joe is pretty much like um what's the best way like my big brother and if anything gets in my way then you know he's there to handle it but um at this point man we just fully independent joe is teaching me how to uh, a lot of the things lessons i take from joe and things we talk about is how to maneuver as an independent artist in this game and what to do if you do have a hit record as an independent artist you know a lot of these artists are just recording projects and they aren't prepared for what happens if one of their records, you know, go viral or take off, then someone is quick to come in and, you know, paperwork is this and, you know, they're not really fully prepared. So I'm blessed to be around Joe who has a multitude of hits on the independent level. And um, this is the blessing he's given me is to be around him and learn how to maneuver the same way he's maneuvering. You know, so yeah, at this point, man, Joe, Joe is considering this his last hurrah. He's pretty much out the rap game after this album, as far as he's concerned. You know, what I'm saying he might be doing one. I got a few things with him. You might see him here and there, still moving around. But um, you know, the games change, man. And from someone who has been in the game since '93, you know, to look the way Joe look and spend the money Joe's look and uh, spend the money the way Joe spends it on this music industry, um, you know, it, it comes to a point where you have to refer back to your family and see the time you put in and kick back and enjoy your life, you know? Can't be mad at that. For sure. No, I, I would imagine that just the schedule, the hecticness of 
always recording and touring and everything eventually wears you down after a while. You got to think about it, man. A lot of our favorite artists are pushing 50 and better, you know, that we grew up on in hip hop and we've asked a lot from them for so long. You know, Jay-Z is at an age now we see him enjoying his family, but you know, he gave us so much of his life, you know what I'm saying? In the time before that. So it's the same thing with Joe. He's given us so much of his life and his time discovering big pun and DJ Khaled and being here since 1992, 1993 is like, God bless, you know, God bless him. Um, we're in 2020, man. So, you know, if the man decides he wants to enjoy his life, you know, more power to him. So, um, he doesn't want to interfere with anyone's life at the same time. Joe is a really, really good guy. Um, those that know him know that. So, um, in the case of me, you know, I'm UFO Feed, man. I'm, I'm, I'm an artist who's providing music at a, at a certain, um, level. And, um, you know, Joe is fat Joe. He's riding with me. And if you're going to see me with him until the wheels fall off, that's my big bro. That's amazing. And you talked about, you know, working with Vanderslice and having a project, you know, in the works with him. And he's someone who, you know, I go way back with. And our last interview, he shouted you out in the project. Um, even more importantly, during the interview, he actually like went down to his um, grandfather's level in their um, their house that they share and actually took a shit during the interview. <laughs> Is that, that's, that's does that surprise you? Nah, that's him, man. He just liked it. <laughs> He just like the the ultimate like like I imagine him like uh uh what's his name um uh, Bill Murray he's like the you know he's like the hip hop Bill Murray great, I imagine Van, yeah I imagine Van de Slice as the hip hop Bill Murray you know he just doesn't take himself too seriously doesn't take anyone else too seriously um you know he cares for his family you know the folks he got around him and you know he's trying to just maintain his life from what i know him for you know for what i know him for it may be some other things people know him for but for me that's how i met him and that's how he's been he's like the hip-hop bill murray of the producers you know what i'm saying but all to me all too man all producers are a little a little off the rocker you know what i'm saying they're all a little in their own way they're like like doctors and scientists you know what i'm saying when you hang out with them, you realize like you ever go get a drink with a doctor or something, you gonna you realize like, man, this guy's you know, his sense of humor might be a little twisted or something, you know. So that's how I see Van this life. Nah, so nah, it doesn't surprise me that he would do that. Yeah, no doubt. So like what's it like actually working with him and um finding, you know, like how like how does his production fit, you know, what you're trying to do with it with with his music? Um, well, I always bring the producers into my world, you know what I'm saying? Um, whether they try to, you know, they think they bringing me into theirs or not, it's more I bring them into my world, you know, I let them think that they're running it, but it's really, when I heard Vanderslice stuff, man, I was in the mood, you know, I was in that mood of what I felt he was providing, and, um, I've known him before I was working with him through uh, a mutual friend mutual artists we are both working alongside so i've never asked them for nothing and um we just started working 
and once we started working, I was in the, I was, uh, it worked so well because like I said, I was in the mood that his sound was providing. So things were flowing fluently and I was able to send them back records that would withstand time, you know? So, um, I think Vander Slice is an amazing producer. I think he's dope at what he does. He's unique as is everyone else, you know, in the sense of they have their own style. Maybe some are, you know, transparent that they bite styles or whatever. But as far as Vanderslice, he's multi-layered and he has a sound that, you know, I think fit fits uh, a certain mood. And um, you'll hear it on this next project, Enigma Dali, um, fully produced by Vanderslice. Man, the mood is more of a, you know, it's more of a serious uh, street, but yet, like, uh, it feels like a, it feels like you're watching like, 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 uh, oh man, how can I, I know what I want to say, but, um, it feels like you're watching a really good movie, you know, like you're watching a really, really good movie and the project is the soundtrack to the movie in the sense that it provides the backdrop, you know, but, um, you'll, yeah, you'll see, man, everyone will get a chance to hear it soon enough which we, we just went through the mastering process and i'm gonna start shooting some visuals for it and uh, get that prepared after we drop these fresh air joints but um yeah everyone will understand what i'm trying to say now after they hear this and the mood i was in as an mc as a writer as an artist and what i provided uh on those man slice joints and what he provided for me vocally so it's a it's a it's a great mesh it, it, I just listened to the finals today and I think it's awesome. So I can't wait to put it out. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear that. Did knowing, knowing Vanderslice's affinity for old cop shows, did he make you watch any of those during the process of making the music? No, but that's what it feels like, man. That's pretty much where I was going with my last thought trying to get there. It sounds like you're watching an old eighties show and it, and it's just like, but it might be like one of the darkest 80 shows around, you know, it's like something that's like a crime drama, a street drama mixed with, uh, some, uh, whew. it's a great blend, man. So yeah, that's what he provides, man. A lot of that kind of, um, Magnum PI and Knight Rider and all that stuff is, is in his sound and it's real dark and, and gloomy and kind of, I would like to attribute to, um, Shorty Red, who used to produce for Jeezy, who used only like horror samples. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're gonna get that dark darkness, but it's still like hip hop at its purest form. You know? Right. No, that's dope. And you know, you, just going back to Static as as we wrap up, man. You know, you talked about how you known him for two years before you got, and then you guys started working on this project. How did you guys build that relationship to the point where like? Now you can look at doing fresh air and doing a project together. Um, it was terminology. It was born through terminology. Um, I had run into terminology at a local diner in my neighborhood. He was just sitting in there eating and I'm like, that's terminology, you know what I'm saying? So I introduced myself to him and um, you know, I I wasn't a I didn't have uh the reputation I I have at this moment. So when I you know, I told him who I was and stuff, I'm pretty sure um, it didn't matter to him at that moment, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, yeah, sure. But um, as time will have it, like I said, man, anything I want, because um, 
I was looking to get to static, you know, in that frame of time, um, you know, I'm really close to, uh, I, sometimes I spend a lot of time on the phone with, um, rock Marciano, shout out to rock Marcy and jazz, um, rock Marcy manager jazz. And, you know, he always gives me little game and stuff. We discuss things. So I was already bringing up static and my route to static in my head and, in public having those conversations on how can I get to him and anyone who knows him, you know what I'm saying? And all that stuff. So when I seen term, it was just like, you know, here we go again. You know what I'm saying? It's time to put this play together and get to, get to, uh, get to static, you know, not trying to use term, but when I seen term, I was like, all right, this is how it's going to work out. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I just befriended Term, and we ended up having a solid relationship. We ended up being a, a solid individual. That um, me and him, I didn't even meet Static first. I just was cool with Term, and um, you know, me and Static after that was like I just let it be something that will happen on uh, God's time. And um, eventually, Terminology invited me over to their lab. First, they had seen me perform at um, I had did a local spot in Queens, and they were both in the in the venue, um, surprisingly enough, and I performed. And when I got off stage, you know, Term was like, yo, man, I was just telling Static about you and shit because Term had kept seeing me at different venues and stuff, so he was catching on to who I was. So um, he was like, yo, I just was telling Static about you, and um, I was fresh into my situation with Joe. So, you know, um, that gave me some some uh, some clout as the, you know, as I use the word loosely. Um, but, uh, yeah, after that term had, um, it was actually my birthday in 2018 and, um, term had invited me to the lab that they were, uh, static is working on his album and I should come to the lab and, um, rap for him. So um, when I came to the lab, that's exactly what happened. Um, term was there. He explained to me what static was doing and um, Static yet hadn't yet arrived. And um, when Static walked in, you know, we uh, he sat down, he got to work on his stuff, and um, he played a beat, and I just got up and started rhyme. You know, terminology gave me the cue to, like, rhyme. So I got up and rhymed, and then from there on, it's been, like, bulletproof love. You know, they've been, they're, like, my extended family. You know, Joe is my extended family, my big brother in the industry with the Terror Squad. And um, Static is the same way with Show Off. And, you know, they, they've been riding for me in this game as who I am and as an artist and as just as a person. You know, they's, they've shown me nothing but respect. And I give it back. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. And, you know, coming from Harlem, too, you know, you mentioned that Black Rob gave you the name Thieve. Um I feel like that's a story that you definitely got to tell. That's right. And um, Rob... Rob and I come from the same building. He uh, He's a friend of my dad's. You know, my dad and him uh, came up together. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much I was rhyming in my neighborhood, you know, battling at that time. Everyone would battle outside and kick your rhymes in the park or what have you. And um, Rob had called wind of it. And um, I had seen him one day and he, you know, I, he had just told me, you know, you know we said, what's up? Um, we stopped and briefly spoke to each other and like as his closer of the conversation he just was like I heard you rhyming man I heard you got a little fever out here and I was like yeah you know um, humble in my you know humble beginnings I was shy and 
you know, I didn't, I didn't want Rob to know I was rhyming because I held him at a high standard in my life, you know, just as an MC and as a person because he was so close to my family, you know what I'm saying? So um, I was shy and nervous. So when he said, hey, it's like you got a little fever out here, um, that pretty much just stuck with me all my life, you know, and um, I cut it short to fever. You know, I was, one day my tattoo artist suggested, like, yo, you should cut it short to fever. And um, from there, it was just fever. And the UFO pretty much came with, because there was plenty of things in front of the fever before UFO, you know, and uh, just when the, I had just started going by feed by itself, and a lot of people were reading the name wrong and saying Fev, so um, I wanted to add something in front of it that stuck, that had just as much meaning to it as the feed, and um, that's when UFO came, because um, a lot of people would tell me that um, they never seen a, a, a Latino, you know, at the time, rap the way I was rapping, like, yo, the way you rhyming, we never seen nothing like that. So, um, just having knowledge yourself and being into the world and the universe and things that are going on, the UFO was like an identified flowing object, you know, cause I'd be flowing. So that's where it came from. And that's how, that's what it is. That's an amazing story. I mean, Thank Puff, you, Puffy Black Rob, I mean, that's, that's that's two of the biggest bad boy hitters right there. That's it. You know, I don't get no bigger than that right there. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. And, you know, thinking about your dad, um, too, and, and his musical history, do you feel like that's why you're, you know, just, just the exposure you've had and, and what he did that you were able to have, you know, so much different sounds that you can, that you can rock on? Um, definitely, you, definitely. Definitely, without a question. My dad has provided me the backdrop to uh, have the knowledge of what I do. You know what I'm saying? It's like if your dad was a mechanic and uh, you become a mechanic, you know, unbeknownst to him, open your own shop and stuff, whether uh, you provide him the credit or not, he's the one who put it in your hand. You know what I'm saying? So totally in the case of like pointing me in the directions uh, unknowingly because my dad never wanted me to do music. So, um, yeah, just being around him and seeing him have the success he had and seeing a lot of the, my favorite rappers as a young boy, it, it motivated me like, yeah, I want to do that. And um, I always had like beat CDs laying around because people were like, you know, even, although my dad did uh, a certain genre of music, everybody would try to, you know, get on through him. So he always had like instrumentals from producers and demos from other rappers and, um, you know, that never made it or dudes who never got on, but were super talented. That's how Rob was. You know, Rob was one of those guys. He wasn't on, but, you know, my dad had so much influence at the time that Rob would just hang out with him, you know? So I, I had a lot of early Rob stuff in my grandma's house, like a lot of earliest demos and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it provided me to, to understand how to make a song. You know, I was a young kid, 13, 14, writing songs, you know, thinking I knew what I was doing, hooks and bridges. And because I would see my dad, you know, forcing that on the guys, you know, if you want to sell records, you got to write hooks. You got to know how to write a song. You know what I'm saying? In my neighborhood, everybody who would try to rap, 
come rap for my dad, that would be like his conversation with them. You know what I'm saying? So I pretty much was able to apply it to myself. That's amazing. Um, I feel, I feel like those are the kind of lessons too, that like are just so invaluable to like those early building blocks and just knowing how to navigate so many of the different challenges in the industry that, you know, sometimes it avoids you having to go through it to know, you know, to learn the lesson. Right. Right. That's incredible. And, you know, looking at, looking at fresh air being out the Vanderslice album coming out and, you know, still just working with fat Joe and touring the world with him, you know, things seem to be in a, in a great spot for you right now. And I'm really happy for you that everything's going so well. What are you going to, you know, do to just keep the UFO fieve, um, name buzzing and, 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 you know, just keep, keep your music in everybody's playlists. Um, as far as music, I'm just going to, as far as the music business is concerned and my music and UFO, um, just consistency. I'm going to open the floodgates and just try to remain consistent and, um, try to keep bodies of work, whether it be a single or a full, you know, project, um, uh, content, constant content, different visuals, and um, working with different artists and as well as putting artists on under my 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 umbrella, the high enterprise and um, you know, running a record label uh isn't my dream, but you know, I wanna help artists become uh self sufficient and, you know, provide them the opportunity to put music out. So that's my next goal in twenty twenty is to at least become successful by helping others um achieve their goals. But for the most part, man, Fever is, is the, I'm just getting started, you know, for myself. It's going to be a whole lot more music and um, a lot more of my face just moving around. And um, yeah, stuff, you know, 2020 is pretty much mapped out as far as the music sound is going. And um, the Lord is going to provide the rest of the stuff as we go. That's incredible. And, you know, I'd be remiss to ask you since you talked about being a big reader, and, you know, any recommendations for everybody listening um, the next time they hit up, you know, the Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble or whatever. Your local library, man. Go get your library card is one of the most powerful things you can have in your wallet alongside your credit card. You know, there's not yes. another place in the world provides books for free. You know, it's knowledge in that, in that building. So, um, yeah, I could go on for days with the books, man. Some of my favorites, though, you know, The Alchemist, um, that's by Paulo Cohen. You go look that up. Um, that's like one of the go-to handbooks. Um, Fahrenheit 451 is another great book. The Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway. Um, you know, a lot of, I don't read too many like, um, self-help books, but you know, Napoleon Hill, um, is great. Um, Malcolm Gladwell is one of my favorite authors. So anything he does is dope. Um, what have I read lately? Um, I just read the um, autobiography of Phil Knight, the um, dude who made, uh, dude who started Nike. So, um, you know, stuff like that, man. There's always knowledge out there to acquire, and um, you know, some days I might like. I like story books too. I like to read about stories, and then most of the other stuff is like, you know, knowledge based stuff. But yeah, start with the Alchemist, man. Start with that. Oh, yeah, 1984. Yo, man, 1984, too. Man, I can't forget that. You was about to say something, and you just reminded me. 1984, that's like, 
if you think the world is in shits right now, go read 1984 and you're going to think you reading a story about what's going on right now. You know what I'm saying? And the book was written in 1960 something. Um, the title has to do with the story. So people get it confused to think, you know, it's a new it's written in 84, but the title is 1984. The book was written in 1960, I think 465. And it has everything to do with what's going on right now. 2020, man. And it's amazing. So we could go on a whole nother tangent about that too. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I heard you shout it out on Fresh Air on the on the on the, the album. Trying so not to group think, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Nineteen I'm nineteen eighty four because I was born in nineteen eighty four, so uh you no, know, it's a double entendre. I'm nineteen eighty four trying not to group think as they walking off the ledge. Um group think is very much a real thing now. Even the term of it is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? And when I read the book, none of this existed. The stuff that's going on, you know, I it's so far fetched to think about, you know, group thinking and all that stuff. But here, we, here we are, and we have it going on. Even to the down to the shortening of words. You know, people not wanting to write out the full word, and uh, everything is shortened, and uh, the revision of history. You know, it's happening daily right in front of us. You know, a newspaper could say uh, the Navy SEAL Team 6 that uh, took down Bin Laden or died in a helicopter crash. And then a few years later, the same Navy SEAL Team SEAL, ah, Navy SEAL Team 6 is doing interviews. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope I didn't ruin my point with that little stumble. But you get what I'm trying to say. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, um. Yeah, man, it's real. It's real. There's a lot of books. They try to hide it from us in the books, you know, since the beginning of time. The library at Alexandria was supposedly contained everything man needs to know, you know what I'm saying? And even in the government, they say there's a book, a secret book of world history events, you know, that people don't get to access. So these things are always script in the books. So very important to read, man. Keep reading. Share that knowledge.